0: none of it's real the aliens are coming in june just be ready tomorrow i break the fucking simulation and beat the greatest boxer in the history of the pla- of the planet
1: hi i'm rachel hampton and i'm madison malone kircher you're listening to icy in case you missed it slate's podcast about internet culture how you doing today madison what's going on in your world you know, not much, I'm very sweaty. I think that's gonna be a yeah. constant for the next couple of months. Uh, yeah. In the bigger world, a royal baby hath been born unto, not us, but unto Twitter.
2: The way you said that made me think of Jesus Christ being born unto the world, and I don't think this child is quite reaching that level. But yeah, you know, another little Sussex? Are they still Duke and Duchess? I don't understand what happened when Mount we decided Batten, to succeed. Windsor? <laughs> When they seceded from
1: the royal family, who kept what? We are, of course, talking about a uh, child of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, a new baby girl named Lilibet Diana. Lilibet being the childhood nickname of Queen Elizabeth uh, and Diana being, you know. Who?
2: I mean, this name is very much giving me Tudor vibes, giving me War of the Roses, giving me Lancaster, like
1: Lilibet. We're really, we're reaching back through time. I think it's a very sweet tribute. I also feel as though it is a fan fiction name dreamt up from like the epilogue of Harry Potter. Some Albus Severus energy. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's not even a fan fiction name. J.K. Rowling came up with that herself. The fan fiction no. names are better than the ones J.K. Rowling came up with. Let's be real here.
1: No, no, no. Because the epilogue is not real. We do not recognize it. And Daniel oh. Radcliffe wrote Harry Potter. These are facts. <laughs> you know what? I accept this new form of history. <laughs> Uh, That's enough about the Royals until the next season of The Crown, at least for me. On today's show, however, we're going to be talking about another infamous family. That's right. We here on ICYMI are finally going to talk about the Paul brothers, Jake and Logan.
0: Logan, there's a bite on your shoulder. Stay still. I am. It's going on your face. Get it. It's going on your face. Get it, dude. I got it.
1: As a note, this does mean we're also going to be discussing suicide, allegations of sexual assault, domestic abuse, Um, so feel free to skip this episode if any of those topics are too sensitive for you. We totally get it. But as you can tell by that long list of trigger warnings, Paul 1 and Paul 2, the brothers Paul, are uh, (laughs) a wee bit controversial, is perhaps one way to describe them. Yeah, that's definitely one way. (laughs) Uh, We'll probably come up with a few more before the show's over. They're also two of YouTube's biggest stars, and the platform, by allowing them to be two of its biggest stars, have tacitly endorsed some of their more unsavory, tasteless, horrifying antics, (laughs) Um, which have been a constant source of conversation since the brothers emerged on the influencer scene back in, like, 2014. The olden days. Ye old 2014. Over the weekend, the brothers Paul
2: made headlines again specifically logan paul who collabed with uh another completely uncontroversial figure in his own right none other than floyd mayweather there's nothing going on with that man there's no bit of
1: controversy
2: no no (laughs) logan paul went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather in a uh widely televised boxing match, very widely publicized, has been publicized since March, one of the biggest things that happened in boxing. And you know, if you were sitting there wondering, how did this Vine Star go from making kind of dumb six-second videos to stepping into the ring with the unbeaten champ? Well, we're here to tell you. And we're also here to tell you what. It says about the nature of internet fame that none of Logan Paul's various and manifold missteps in the past have stopped his meteoric rise.
1: Rachel, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am uniquely and darkly qualified to have this conversation. I I did
2: know this about you, and I am very glad that you were here to take me through this ride, because to be completely 100% honest with you... And our ICY, my listeners, I have largely ignored the Paul brothers since they've emerged onto the scene. I I saw the antics. I saw the videos. I saw all the various headlines that were like the latest Logan Paul controversy explained. And I was like, you know what? I only have room in my heart for like four controversial people and none of them are the Paul brothers. So I don't know what's going on with them.
1: That's really fair. I uh, have spent... Easily five years on the Paul Brothers beat, I have been known to refer to myself as an anthropologist, Madison. Every day you test my patience. <laughs> We're gonna get into the the who, what, where, when, and why of of the Paul Brothers, but I feel like to to help center us, I wanna I wanna talk about the time I went to a Jake Paul pop up uh, in twenty seventeen. He had like a pop up store in New York City. What? why
2: did you go what I went there I did where
1: how (laughs) it was in Manhattan it was like West 37th Street oh of course Mm -hmm. it was in December it was absolutely freezing and I just stood outside in line all day with people namely like little kids and their parents who had come from all over the country like from the Midwest and from Texas like all over the country with no guarantee that they were going to see a Paul brother like the the only promise was the only promise was that you could purchase their merch
2: can you kind of describe the the crowd for me like you said children like what is like the demographic makeup I've never quite understood like what their audience
1: is actually made up of is it mostly teens these were a ton of children, like, let's say, and and not even teens is maybe too old, like possibly like preteen, like oh, age no. nine to 13 feels like that was like the big chunk of kids who took off school to stand in line. Uh, I just feel like that helps establish the like cult of personality that surrounds the men we're going to get into today. I feel like you establishing how
2: young his audience is, not just for the audience, but for me, has only made everything that we're going to talk about even more horrifying. <laughs> Because if there's anything I know about the Paul brothers, it's that perhaps children shouldn't be watching them.
1: (laughs) All right. So who are the Paul brothers? That's really, I think, (laughs) where we have to begin. Logan and Jake Paul are social media stars, influencers, They came up on Vine. So they originally started out as Viners, you know, doing raucous pranks, outlandish comedy, put some scare quotes around comedy.
0: Hey, babe, who are you going to homecoming with? Nobody. Do you want to go to Home Depot with me? (laughs) What's up, guys? I'm just chilling with my boy Jerome. My name's not Jerome, stupid white motherfucker.
1: As with almost all Internet celebrities that come out of nowhere, these guys are traditionally attractive, blonde haired, Blue-eyed, maybe? I've never checked that closely. They're very muscular, they're aggressively heterosexual, and they established themselves as Vine guys back in, you know, the era of Vine, R.I.P.
2: R.I.P. Vine. I mean, that's the interesting thing about kind of Vine fame is that the people I was following on Vine were all, like, black teens. But I was fully kind of aware of this other genre. Because the thing is, what black kids were doing on the app was actually funny
1: what people like Logan and Jake Paul were doing I was just like I don't get it it was sort of hit or miss in the beginning right like Logan Paul and Jake Paul made some funny stuff but also I think had a very acute understanding of what they were doing and the brands that they were building and they have only continued to expand upon that since then when you say they knew what they were doing can you can you elaborate on that yeah, I'm remembering I had a, a friend, Caroline Moss, who wrote a profile about them for Business Insider in 2015, or a profile about Logan for Business Insider in 2015, and she spent some time with him. And he performed a never-released song called Stank Dick, which sort of clashed with the the image of, like, being wholesome or, like, maybe wanting to pivot to television. And, that, <laughs> again, it's never been released, so no one has ever actually heard Stank Dick. But it seems like that was sort of the brand beginning to form.
2: All right, yeah, keep taking me. I feel like you love telling me about cursed things, and this whole entire I, episode feels cursed. <laughs> Continue to curse me.
1: I They are cursed, but also I begrudgingly for years and years, and I think that this is what has kept me interested in the Paul brothers, is that there is a savvy to it. There is a, a calculation mm. to mm. their their brand and growing empire that I am darkly fascinated by, like the harnessing of how platforms work and how fandoms engage with people. Like, I find that to be really entrancing. Yeah, that makes sense. And also sense. they just, they do dumb shit all the time. So it's, you know, this like really fun, <laughs> delicious combination. After Vine, they continue their rise on YouTube. I think both of them have over 20 million subscribers now. YouTube is not really their thing anymore. They've, they've diversified their uh <laughs> their revenue streams. Uh-huh. Um, Perhaps it's best... When I say the name Logan Paul, like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: Oh, I mean, the first thing is, like, the suicide forest thing?
1: Yeah. So, Logan Paul vlogged a dead body that he found in Japan's so-called suicide forest on New Year's Day in 2018. Uh, The suicide forest is known by its name colloquially because it is a place with a very high proportion of deaths. It is a, a place where a, a significant number of people have gone to take their own lives. Uh, so something sort of grim already about the idea of Logan Paul and his group of YouTube comrades marching into the forest with cameras strapped at the ready. Kind of grim feels like an understatement, but yes. Yeah, so the thing that when I when I say that I, I find the the mental calculus that the Paul brothers are doing in real time when they make these decisions to be darkly fascinating. Like the suicide forest video is a really great example of that because there's a moment in the video where Logan is like, pulls out a bottle of sake from his backpack, takes a drink and is like, fuck it. I don't care if I'm drinking and cursing in this video, it's already getting demonetized, which is to say he already knew it like violated YouTube's policies. YouTube's reaction was a non-response response. I I yeah. believe like limited his AdSense money, which is how YouTubers make make money on YouTube, a monetized video, the things they run ads against. Um which is what Logan was talking about when he said he knew the video was getting demonetized. A video in which he's seen drinking alcohol and, you know, showing a a corpse (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) is not one that advertisers want to be seen against.
2: Yeah, I feel like what I remember of this controversy was the kind of lack of response from YouTube besides like the bare minimum of demonetizing, which like people get demonetized for shit that they shouldn't be. So all the time, him being demonetized for something that is horrifying is like the it, it, it's the bare minimum like the bars below
1: the ground yeah it's funny during that time i talked to a lot of his fans low gangsters the low gang um kids mostly just trying to get a sense of like if their opinions of logan paul had like if anything <laughs> if this could change their opinions sway their minds about him and it was sort of this wild look inside the mind of the fandom because the responses I got were people telling me, no, like that's just Logan. Like he found a dead body. He had to vlog it. Uh. Logan comes back with a suicide prevention (laughs) PSA. It is extremely tacky. Don't seek it out. Um, All of these things just continue to build and build and build on the infamy of Logan Paul and his brother, Jake uses a similar model has had a similar career trajectory. Jake founded uh, Team 10, which is, like, a social media incubator slash collaborative house in the Los Angeles area that was best known for um, just making its neighbors miserable. Like, one time they lit a fire in an empty swimming pool kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, as one does. He was uh, on a Disney Channel show, like, a kid's show called Bizardvark for a while. Jake Paul left the show, but it was very clear that, like, it all ended because of the fire in the pool and the noise complaints and... Leaving the Disney show, though, does inspire uh, a rap track entitled It's Every Day, Bro.
0: It's Every Day, Bro, with the Disney Channel flow. Five, mill on YouTube in six months. Never done before. Pest all the competition, man. PewDiePie is next, man. I'm
1: I'm sorry. There's
2: just this way in which white men, white women do the same thing, just white people in general, kind of use, like, adjacency to black culture as a way to, like, distinguish themselves and make themselves seem edgy. And it's, like, not only deeply cringe, but also just deeply offensive in so many various ways.
1: It's Everyday Bro was also, like, Jake Paul's motto in that he vlogged every day. For how, like, for how long? Years. This was his thing. He was, like, a daily vlogger.
2: I can't, I imagine that in all, I mean, we kind of, talked about this during our david dobrik episode but like the danger of daily vlogging when you are like logan paul or jake paul or generally a kind of frat bro s thing is that you are essentially putting a camera inside of a frat house which is feels like um asking for a lawsuit in a lot of different ways. So I can't imagine that those daily vlogs did not capture like a shit ton of stuff that we don't have time to talk about, but what a rich text.
1: And it's about to get worse. I didn't think that was possible, but all right. (laughs) I feel like the pivot that's coming here is not terribly surprising. Um, But there have been in recent months, years, as recently, as this year, a number of women who have been involved with Jake Paul coming forward with allegations of actions ranging from emotional abuse, to groping, uh, to, to sexual assault.
2: And I think this is largely why I had ignored the Paul brothers up until this point, is that there's this kind of knowledge, just kind of looking at them and their fan base and the things that do manage to flow into my sphere of the internet, that just gave me the vibe that they are men who continually do terrible things and have not been held to account for any of them. But I think what makes all of this worse is just how much money they're making doing this. Like, there there are controversial figures from, like, before the internet who you're like, they're just constantly doing fucking stunts for, like, $2,000 or whatever. But... The Paul brothers are millionaires.
1: And everything they do is about building their brands and building their businesses and and building them in a way that they can exist off platform. And that's what's like really critical about what they have done is because they're not tethered to they weren't tethered to Vine. They're not tethered to YouTube or to Twitter or to Instagram. They, they use those platforms. They harness them, certainly. And those platforms have been very, very good to them. But. Logan and Jake Paul are (laughs) social media, a platform behemoths at this point.
2: We are gonna take a break so Madison can uh, lower her blood pressure, do a few stretches. Thank you, I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) But when we come back, we're going to get into the Mayweather of it all and how the Paul brothers' recent turn towards boxing is actually really in line with the kind of a platform brand that they've built for themselves. More on that after the break.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's face it, sometimes multitasking can be overwhelming. Like when your favorite podcast is playing and the person next to you is talking and your car fan is blasting, all while you're trying to find the perfect parking spot. But then again, sometimes multitasking is easy, like quoting with Progressive Insurance. They do the hard work of comparing rates so you can find a great rate that works for you, even if it's not with them. Give their nifty comparison tool a try, and you might just find getting the rate and coverage you deserve is easy. All you need to do is visit Progressive's website to get a quote with all the coverages you want, like comprehensive and collision coverage or personal injury protection. Then you'll see Progressive's direct rate and their tool provide options from other companies, all lined up and ready to compare, so it's simple to choose the rate and coverages you like. Press play on comparing auto rates. Quote at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
2: And we're back. Madison is rested, relaxed, prepared to tell me some more cursed content.
1: I'm at least one of those things. <laughs> uh, we are now going to pivot our discussion to discuss... Logan Paul's pivot into boxing. Logan Paul, a master self-marketer who's accrued over 66 million social media followers, he seriously believes he is capable of putting a tear in Mayweather's cloak of invincibility. Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather announced this big pay-per-view fight. Uh this is not a new thing for Logan Paul. He's been on the pay-per-view boxing scene for months now. I think the Paul brothers'
2: general turn towards pay-per-view boxing,
1: that's kind of
2: floated up into my feed, and I was like, why? <laughs> Nobody who's an actual boxer is gonna want to fight these absolute chuds. Okay, but and then, enter,
1: <laughs> enter Floyd enter Mayweather.
2: None other than oh. <laughs> the un, undefeated, like, 50, like in his career, I this is the only fact I know about sports. And he's like, he retired and came out of retirement for this to fight Logan
1: Paul. I feel like we should maybe digress for just a minute for a brief yeah. Floyd yeah. Mayweather ICYMI Wikipedia article.
2: Floyd Mayweather has been accused of violence against women at least. And when I say at least, I really mean at least seven times, and has been convicted of Violence against women at least twice. So two terrible people beating each other up is um, what (laughs) happened this weekend. And they weren't just beating each other up. They were beating each other up for um, money.
1: Boyd Mayweather has likened the match to legal bank robbery uh, and has claimed that he stands to make $100 million uh, while Logan Paul claimed a figure somewhere in the 20 mil range uh given the source that's likely uh an inflated figure uh but still we are talking about some serious money at stake for both of these guys
2: truly love when terrible people just make a shit ton of money being terrible
1: Both Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather have been using the other person's history as, like, fuel for the fight. So they did a press conference for Mayweather. Yeah, where Floyd Mayweather said he was going to make Logan Paul pay for what he did in Japan. Eh. And Paul, like, firing back in the beef, said that we all know what Floyd Mayweather did to his wife. Eh. No. Mutual grossness that these acts of violence to varying degrees nuance people are are being reduced by their perpetrators as like fun barbs to throw in a fight to make them it's more money.
2: This really gross, like tongue in cheek winking at
1: assault, mm-hmm. domestic abuse. Yeah. Also, I feel, I realize we have not, the, the fight is fake. Oh
2: yeah, of course. It's, it's, an, it's not even a real fight, right? It's an exhibition. Right.
1: And Logan Paul. Oh, and there's that left hook by Mayweather. Wow. Logan Paul, hands down, going for the uppercut. Logan Paul went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather, which, like, I know Floyd Mayweather is retired, but that he had to
2: be going easy on him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Logan Paul gets to say he went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather and in the end did not lose. And Floyd Mayweather gets the very visible reality that he probably could have completely demolished Logan Paul and instead will, like, take his very large check and go home. Thank you very much.
2: The worst people are the best at gamifying our attention spans.
1: And they're also, I will, like, go to my grave screaming that it's unfair to just be like, these are bozos who got lucky and got famous. Yeah, But... With the other half of my chest, I will go to my grave screaming that these platforms and the systems that support the platforms, they allow for the rise of a certain type of creator. They allow for the success of a certain type of person, and they allow for that person to fuck up over and over and over again and still be the thing that the algorithm and thus the people see and want to see more of. And the Paul brothers fall perfectly into that category. I mean, both Floyd
2: Mayweather and the Paul brothers in a lot of ways kind of strike back at the notion of um, cancel culture and it's just going to keep working for them. And I think that's, what's like so frustrating about once you kind of reach a certain level of fame on the internet or your audience has kind of chosen to ride or die with you Mm-hmm. is the platforms either can't hold you accountable or have no will to hold you accountable because your success is their success.
1: There's a a piece from the Washington Post a few years ago that I think about often on this topic about how it was an internal report sourced from like YouTube video moderators. And basically the company policy internally was to give preferential treatment to... Logan Paul to Steven Crowder to PewDiePie to these big creators, these tent poles for the platform who were actively violating the platform's terms of service in a way that might have gotten a smaller creator axed. But YouTube needs those guys. And when I say those guys, I mean any number of amorphous blob of human who has come to fill that space. Like there will always be. <laughs> I think that's also
2: what's frustrating about all this is so many times the platform kind of makes it seem like, oh, it's just the algorithm or it's just what people are clicking on. And that is literally never true. There is active support being given by companies like YouTube to people like the Paul brothers. And there's no way to (laughs) have any kind of checks and balances on that preferential treatment. It all just comes out like, six years after the fact, and now we are stuck with, you know, Logan Paul, who's probably going to run for president in, like, 10 years. <laughs> you know he is. You know he is. It's going to be, it might be a Joe campaign, and it might not, but that piece of shit's running for office. Do you watch D'Angelo Wallace's videos ever? Um, I don't, but you have told me multiple times about D'Angelo Wallace, and I, I love I love how much you love him. The Paul brothers are YouTube's most infamous sibling duo. Jake Paul is the younger brother, and he's definitely the worst out of the pair. He's not just a bad YouTuber, he's been in a string of run-ins with the law, culminating in an FBI raid. It's a lot. So basically, I just want to look at how the heck we got here.
1: He and I, uh, I had, did an interview with him earlier this year, and he talked a lot about how being a black creator means he never gets a second chance and how that like mm. looms over his head. Constantly, as he makes these videos about very sensitive topics and how that's such a fear, and that there's a real clash in, in, in living with that, while making content about people who truly think that there is no repercussions for anything ever.
2: The amount of chances that are given to people, to white people, to white men. If I had a dime for every <laughs> undeserved second chance, you could run for chance. president. You could
1: fund your run for
2: president. I could afford a house with a pool that I could set fire to.
1: I set fire to my pool. <laughs> All
2: right, I think that's that's a that's a good note to wrap up on.
1: <laughs> All right, that's the show. Uh, I see why I would not be possible without support. Slate Plus helps us keep the show going. It means you get to listen to your episodes ad free. It's a dollar for your first month. Uh, so please consider supporting our podcast that way. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday because we are uh, not every day, bro. So please subscribe. Consider leaving us a rating and a review, an Apple podcast, and maybe tell your influencer YouTube former Vine star turned boxer friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is where you can DM us your questions. Questions about boxing will probably be ignored. Questions about influencers turned boxers, very much welcome. And, of course, you can always drop us an email at ICYMI at Slate.com. Uh, who knows? We might just have you on the show. ICYMI is produced by
2: Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman is Slate's culture editor. Gabe Broaddus, editorial director of audio. See you online. Or not.
1: Logan Paul and Floyd Matherworth. <laughs> Murm, w- wait F- wait. Flogan <laughs> Fl- Paul <laughs> I was like wait What's this word that you said Flogan Fl- Paul Pilgrim people
2: Pilgrim people Keep on dying
1: <laughs> Anatomy of an ad Subconsciously trigger emotions through music Perfect
2: Define an opportunity
1: Imagine talking to millions of people across the US Like I am now
2: Identify a problem